0: Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic Wills weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. <laughs> Recorded boy, really hither and yon <laughs> this weekend. We're we're all at our various resort locations, or we're at a resort location. <laughs> yeah. We'll tell you all about it a little later. But you know, ordinarily we would be somewhere in the New York region. But you know, we're we're kind of spread out today. Anyway, I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor Publishers Weekly, editor of PW Comics Well, and editor of the Fanatic. Uh, PW's twice a month comics and pop culture newsletter. Check us out online at publisherswiki.com slash comics.
1: I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the editor in chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com, the news site of comics culture. And you can find us on Twitter at, at PW Comics World if you go on Twitter.
2: <laughs> and I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com
0: and don't forget you can subscribe to more to come on the apple podcast app on google Podcasts, and on stitcher and on facebook We're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld
1: and don't forget you can give us a rating or leave us a comment or you know give us a numerical rating of some kind or perhaps a thumbs up um there's all sorts of ways to comment on uh, what you think of this podcast, and we'd love to get feedback, so anytime you want to give us some feedback, we'd love to hear it. Thank you.
0: Talk to us person to person. <laughs> all right, this week on More to Come, the show must go online. <laughs> yeah, lots of comics news, uh, comics convention news. Okay, and there's lots of business news. Uh, I mean, Ad House is shutting down. Brian Hibbs has closed his store Library passing kadontia. NFTs, uh will talk
1: Mobile Comics.
0: Mobile Comics, yes, yes, well that's gonna be that was the next thing I was gonna say. Mobile Comics it. News and Emmy News. So Heidi well, the true. show must go online.
1: I'm so glad I got to use that headline. <laughs> yes, so, you did. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think we might have alluded to this on our last live podcast, but, yeah, I finished a big, long article about yes. this San Diego Comic-Con. Normally I would be writing an exciting preview about all the exciting things happening in person, but this time it was more kind of a roundup of showrunners talking about, um, you know, how they've survived a year of not mm-hmm. being in person. And guess what? It's going to be pretty much another year, although next month, a lot of shows are coming in person awesome con is coming um mm-hmm. um, 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 um show expo uh, fan expo, in fan expo. Mm-hmm. With a, there's one in, in Florida with a hundred thousand people so uh yeah the show is is uh the shows are coming back, but San Diego yeah. will be online this year and um
0: and i just i just registered for press credentials for new york comic con
1: yes, me too yes, yeah. yes. So. and uh but but you know, I will say, I think last year you know, we were still in pretty strict lockdown a year ago, and it just even having a virtual San Diego con was pretty exciting. it brightened up our days just a tad, and you know, um like this year, I feel like um you know they're doing a lot of Panels. I mean, I actually have a panel in there about comics journalism. Anyway, uh there is – I just don't see much excitement about it this year. I mean, there's no studio presence. Um, you know, there's some media panels. There's a lot of comics publisher panels, I will say, but you can't even see the whole schedule online. It's, it's in this, oh, really? like, table format, so you can't even see who's in the panels. It's a little bit annoying, so I- –
0: well i mean it, it, it does seem that the enthusiasm for some of these online shows is, is it's flagging and and it's it's understandable um it's it's just not the same although you I mean you it's really kind of hard to, to pass these moments these annual um dates on the schedule and not have something you know some kind of you know placeholder. For the real deal, so no, no, that's no. kind
1: of. No, I, I mean, you know, if they didn't do a virtual San Diego Comic Con, we'd be like hard, you know. We'd horrified. be
0: criticizing that, yeah. You know,
1: we'd be criticizing <laughs> that but, you know, they're putting on as as good a show as they can. I mean, you know, I'm not. Uh, I and there's a lot of actual great content if you look. Sure. Um, there's a lot of great content for the show, but you know, they're trying to do a show maybe in November, and I mean, it's on the schedule. Nobody knows yeah. really what it is, and you know, David Glanzer keeps saying it's going to be small. So, but of course, everybody. I think it's really just a way. um, You know, everybody's looking to to make money. I mean, all of these shows have not had income for. um, You know, it's going to be two years, so they gotta they gotta do something.
0: And 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 in your story, David Glanzer really just talks about it that you know they've taken a hit. Um, and he also talks a little bit about why they ended up with that particular date for the November yeah. show, which a lot of people are thinking, really? Okay, Thanksgiving weekend? But, you, you know, he talks to you about, really, they didn't have too much choice. Yeah. About when to schedule that, if they were going to do anything at all.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, so I don't think anybody's going to travel to the show, but maybe if you're in Southern California, you know, you'll – Bloated, you rise up Friday morning, bloated with turkey dinner, right. sick of your relatives, get in the car, get on the train, go down and do whatever this thing is gonna be. So, we'll see. It
0: really does seem like it's gonna be kind of a local San Diego show to well, some we, extent.
1: Well, there's, that's what they're saying, but, but who knows? No details mm-hmm. about it whatsoever. So, it's all a little speculative. Yeah. You
0: know, and I thought, to your point about monetizing, um I, 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 you talked to Koo, uh a little bit, I think, about that in the show, yes. in the, the piece yes. as well. But
1: I mean, he just said, "Well, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit." I, I want to uh, talk. I, I also had a chance to talk to Mike Armstrong of Reed Pop, mm. and I I'm sure I mentioned this in our last time, but you know, the New York Comic Con will not be online, and the new section will be open. Uh, I've sure I've mentioned this on every podcast since Mike told me Mm -hmm. this, um, with lots of bathrooms. So, uh, that's exciting. And I also talked to Martha Donato, who runs Mad Events, Mm -hmm. uh, management, and she had some really smart things to say too, just about how there was a culling coming just, you know, before we, the pandemic even, and, and this is in the number of shows and there, she says there's not enough talent to go around. And I mean, I'm looking, especially as some of these shows come back in the summer, with, you know, a lot of people are still not ready with the Delta variant out there in yeah. states that are where no one's wearing a mask. So there's still, you know, we are not seeing a full fledged Comic Con. You know, New York Comic Con looks like it'll be probably the biggest one, you, you know, of mm-hmm. the pandemic era, but we'll see. That's in October. It's a long three months away.
0: And, oh, I'm sorry, Kate, were you going to say something? Excuse me.
2: Well, I was just saying we have no idea what that's really going to look like. Mm. I mean, there will be, it'll be in person and we will probably be there, but like what else is going to be there? <laughs> yeah. It's well, so yeah. a little up in the air.
0: Well, and, and, and to Martha Donato's point, I think Heidi, I think about two years ago, maybe three years ago, I think your San Diego piece actually was about the over proliferation yes. of shows. Yes. And then just the point that, uh, uh, Donato was making is that Talent is stretched thin, uh, yeah. And it's gonna be interesting now, uh, I, she has a great, po- uh, you know, uh, quote in the story where she says, uh, people are saying this is a transition year, but she still feels it's a pandemic year. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, very much. Well, uh, Koo, as you pointed out, was talking about also, how do you monetize these online conventions? Mm. I mean, Comic-Con at Home is free. And, you know, they got a few sponsorships for them, but it's not enough to make up their coffers, you know. So, of course, they're not making money. Now, Now, New York Comic-Con, Pop is controversially instituted, I forget what it's called, but it's like some kind of metaverse pass where you pay to be able to get in line. Uh, By the way, we didn't put this up on the beat or I didn't really see it reported too much because it was just on twitter but uh you know new york comic con's tickets went on sale on sunday and sold out in like half an hour did you guys see that
0: i did not see that yeah
1: so you know if there's any question about whether people are ready to go back to cons the fans are absolutely Ready. ready um yeah. So, but anyway, but, you know, cool was pointed out, how do you make money? And, um, kind of a sideline, uh, Th- uh, Therese Laxon, who's our, uh, right. entertainment editor at the Beat, who, um, she's fan, so fantastic. I, uh, she had a really interesting story. Now, I think she was actually talking about an incident, but she did not want to give away particulars so that the person's anonymity would be, um, you know, compromised, but she said that uh, the story's called fan, are you virtual fan conventions exploitive? Because mm. there are tons mm. of these, you know, like, like a lot of companies are putting on these pay to zoom cons mm. where you pay to zoom with somebody for two minutes and like, you know, $50 to zoom with the green ranger for two minutes or something. And, uh-huh. um, and apparently there's some, Devilry about some of these, you know, yeah. uh, just whether it's not that transparent, or like whether you can repost it or what you can do with it or,
0: um. It's a, it's a good story and, 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 uh, intriguing because I, I yes. mean, I knew that these shows were going on. I really did not know that there was this sort of pay. I mean, obviously, look, you pay to get into conventions, you pay for it, yeah. but I didn't kind of realize that there was this a parallel universe going on of paying to Zoom for a second and something.
2: Well, and- Okay, go on. I was going to say that this is sort of parallel to the whole cameo thing. So cameo mm. is a service where you pay some usually minor, but sometimes surprisingly not yeah. mm-hmm. celebrity, a different amount, depending on how they choose to price themselves to, you know, get some message from them, either to have them yeah. talk to your kid or record a message for your grandma or something for some non-commercial purpose and um these are going for, you know, in some cases up to like $500 and they are very brief. Um yeah. so this seems like kind of a comics world extension of that.
0: Well, we know we know the whole uh, world of, you know, paying to stand in line to get a, a you know, a photo yeah. with it. You know, with a celebrity nerd, you know.
1: And, you know, Reedpop is doing this, too. I mean, mm-hmm. Pop is absolutely doing pay-to-Zoom sessions mm-hmm. with celebrities or, you know. I mean, and uh, look, I get it. It's like, yeah. you you know, they've had to lay off, like, swaths of staff at all these companies. And, you know, it's very sad. And I, I don't begrudge them making money. Uh, no. You know, certainly Pop, I would say, uh, you know, they are a reputable company. And, um, you know, do what you got to do. Um so, but I, I I just noticed, like, I, I mean, I ran this story because, they anyway, uh, I'm a big Ultraman fan, so I'm like, oh, what do you write about our fan fest? So they did, like, Ultraman is trying to make a big comeback, and so they're doing online Ultraman conventions, and it's like, it's like 30 bucks to go, and then you get, like, you have to see the panels of the Ultraman people, and then you, but you can buy more things, like, you buy, you get something, like, some kind of digital print or something but you can right. buy pins and you know all right. sorts of crap at these things so you know if you're an Ultraman fan I guess that's really a great way to spend your money so and but there's lots of events like this now there's a lot of online very very targeted niche events
0: yeah. so well it's I an mean, it's just we're in a business of fan business where you know fans want to pay money I mean they want to pay money for the stuff that they love and, uh, you, though you just wonder whether, you know, people are crossing the line and extracting more out of them than maybe it's, it's fair, but still that's, that's for the fan to decide.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Um, and yeah. furthermore, I mean, a lot of these nerd celebrities are working actors or working entertainers who during the pandemic have not had a lot of sources of income. So. Mm-hmm. True. I can understand that, you know, you don't have the ability to be in the regular in-person autograph line. You don't have the chance to act or or, you know, do whatever your thing might be.
1: Yeah. You well, take what I, you yeah. Can get. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's true. I mean, a lot of production is, was shut down for a long time and a lot of people make tons of money for this. And, you know, some nerd liberties have gone back and. Mm-hmm they wanna, you know, make money from Cameo or or Pay to Zoom, you know like again, you know, everybody's gotta make a living. As we'll get to in some of the rest of the stories that we're talking about on this week's show. So um you know, the economy the economy
0: (laughs) the economy, yeah. (laughs) Is
1: huge and it's been gone for a long time and, you know, everybody's gone digital and it's not as good as in person. (laughs) so we all want to go back but but one of the things that everybody said was that shows going forward will be hybrid shows mm-hmm. there will be a digital zoom even though we're pretty much sick of zoom you know if it's a component of a in person show like people not everyone can go to san diego not everyone can go to new york so there will be online components um uh, because it just gives so many more people a chance yeah. to participate
0: yeah, there's no, no doubt. Yeah, there's going to be some, always some level now, some option yeah. uh, for you know an online platform as as part of the festival. I, I think for sure, and and, I'm, I, and and more, I think pay pay mm-hmm. for entry. Yeah, entry you know, and go
2: to on, be frank,
0: go
2: one good thing will be that you can always turn off your Zoom without being rude once yes. you get to the point where someone in the Q and A says, "Well, I have a question." Well, it's more like a statement. Yeah. And you're like, "Oh well, no, well, yeah. not
1: this person again." Well, you know, it's it's funny because it all like Zoom uh, Q&As are first off, there's often no Q&A on Zoom. And second off, they're so super heavily moderated so you don't really get that anymore. And you know what? I kind of miss it a little. Come on, don't you miss the the person, the the innocent-looking, normal-looking person <laughs> who gets called on who turns out to have some really weird question. I miss it.
2: Come on. Well, I mean, in person, in person. Yes. They can't stop it. But also in person um I don't mind so much the weird questions. I mind the person who has a statement. It's like
0: a long like, statement.
2: No, no, that's not what <laughs> questions are. You you yeah. are unfamiliar with the concept of questions. Sit down. Now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny cuz it's true. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I, I uh, feel like you could play convention bingo. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, well, one thing's for sure, when you're doing a con at home, you don't have to wait to use the toilet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Not a small thing when, for New York shows.
1: <laughs> you know, I only bring that up because I know people hate it. So anyway, let's move on. There was so much business news this week. So
0: lots of business uh, news. Where, where do we even begin?
1: Oh boy, where do we begin? All right. Let's start with, uh, Chris Pitzer, publisher yeah. of Ad House announced That's that too. he was shutting down his small press after 20 years um and publishing nearly a 100 projects and you know chris i will say i first met chris in the 90s uh when he was crashing in my hotel room at small press expo uh a friend i was rooming with said my friend chris crashed the room and i met chris that that first year he was awesome and he was just not he wasn't yet a publisher and then a few years but he came back uh, with his own small press, and honestly, there's never been a stinker from Ad House. He has really great no. taste. Design uh, has been absolutely exemplary. Um, books like, uh, Duncan the Wonder Dog, which won the LA, uh, book prize. An
0: amazing book.
1: Amazing book. One of Calvin's fr- favorites, Young Francis, formerly known oh. as Pat's. One of the oh. best books of the decade. Great. Uh, well, great, great, great book. Um, you know, um, Aphrodisiac, um, Street Angel, yes, yeah. um, Skyscrapers of the Midwest. Yes. Um, I could just go on and on and on. In fact, I, well, Kevin, what are you talking about? I'm going to look up some more books to plug. But yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have all of the books in front of me either. I, but I, I mean, yeah. You, yeah. you gave a great uh, 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 a recap of recent hits. And, you know, uh, and, you know, Ad uh, House doesn't. They don't publish a lot of books, but it's just extraordinary the number of really good books that they do publish. Um, I mean, really every book works on a storytelling level and really conceptually, uh, in terms of thinking about the form of comics. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he, he, he finds astonishingly inventive, uh, comics people to publish. Yeah. Um, Oh, here's a book Uh, I
1: love. They published "The Oven" by Sophie Goldstein. Oh yeah, I love that book. It's it's practical. We're practically living in it now. It's like one of these like you know dystopian futures. Um, this is one of my books of the year. Uh, Such a great, great, great book. Um, uh, that's about Eric Haven. I love that book. Um, just. So many good ones. The Ride oh. Home, Rough Age, um, Blown Pine. That was a great book.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean. Brass and
1: Perdas is the final one by, uh, um, this Catherine Stewart Eminem. I mean, the guy just had fantastic, fantastic taste. Always one of the nicest guys in comics. And so why, you know, this fixture at SPX, and TCAF on mm-hmm. uh, all, you know, Mocha, all the small press shows. And why is he shutting it down?
0: Oh, what was it? I mean, well, he, from your story that I read from the, the beat story, um, you know, he's kind of hit a wall. He's obviously like a lot of uh, indie publishers. You know, they aren't necessarily full time publishers anyway. Um, he you know, he kind of says that he has a day job. He wants to retire. Uh And I also think he'll probably keep his hand in to some degree. I mean, I think he's got some. Back stock he's got to sell anyway, so he's, I think he's going to still show up at shows, but, but I, I really do think, I mean, it's, it's, it, folks, it's not easy to be an indie <laughs> comics publisher. And particularly, I think if you're really focusing on kind of groundbreaking work.
1: Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, uh, but you know, I mean, he mentions that and he just says that, um, you know, it was never a huge money, money, huge money maker and, I mean, I think the most telling thing was that he said he wanted to be able to retire and like all of his extra income went into this. And you know, that's, he said he had taken out two mortgages, two yeah, second I, mortgages yeah. to fund ad house. And, yeah. uh, and you know, he has a, a spouse who works, I believe, and you know, he has, he has a another job. job too. Yeah. And he, well, he has another, he doesn't have another job. He has a job. You know, yeah. this is always <laughs> a sidelight for him. And this is, you know, the reality. And we just saw, I mean, Koyama Press set, shut down a while ago. And Annie Koyama's reasons weren't quite, uh, you know, like that because she lives in Canada where they have a little more of a safety net. But uh it was kind of the same thing. It was just like, this is not infinite. And she's continued to support comics with her grants. Then we saw Piao Studios also announced mm-hmm. that they were closing down just last month. And, um, it's pretty much same thing. It was just like, you know, a little, like the day has 24 hours only. And if you have a day job and have to make a living running a small comics press, eventually you kind of burn out on it. And, you well, know, short, oh, go, go, go. I just before Kato, I was just, you know, in short box, which is a UK publisher, uh, they were doing kind of these boxes of indie comics. They won't be able to do that anymore because international shipping is too expensive. So yeah, yeah it's winding down. I'm sorry, Kate, go on.
2: What I was going to say is, I'm going to be really honest. The first thing I thought when I saw an ad house book many years ago was, well, this is great, but what's their business model? You know, and I've always felt like that about ad house. Like, this is great. This is great stuff. How are they making this work financially?
0: <laughs>
2: um, and the answer is, he was subsidized. They don't. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> and it's really sad, you know, the thing he was saying that he doesn't feel comfortable with Kickstarter. He feels like it's alms. Like, mm-hmm. I understand Kickstarter is not for everybody, but it's it's a shame that crowdfunding was not for him because I think he had a lot of content that would have done really well with crowdfunding.
0: Oh, I think you're absolutely right. Absolutely. Uh, in- and it's unfortunate that he, I mean, it's interesting that, that notion. Hey, look, I, I love Chris. I, I think I first met Chris at, at, uh, at SPX also. And, um, and I just got to know him a little bit. And I, and, and I, and, uh, Duncan the Wonder Dog really blew me away so much. And I think I got to know him pretty well. Uh, I started talking to him a little more then.
1: For sure he's um, been on this, for sure he's been a guest on this podcast over the years. Mm-hmm. I know we've talked to him, uh, but, on uh several times
0: uh and uh and then i got the um uh young francis um really you know also sent me on a <laughs> he 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 hooked me with young francis and then i got to meet you know hartley and all that um but yeah i mean I, what do you say i mean he really he, well, I I th- wish he, i wish he would use kickstarter i really so, wish he would but he I, would drive so much he I would get so much fun
1: I think so, but I'll, I'll say this also. It's like, um, you know, a lot of published small pre- – like, Kate, you're asking what is their business model. I mean the business model is, you know, what it always is. I mean either you, you know, are a Gary Groth and a Kim Thompson who start out with their bootstraps and really build up and hire people and, you know, now they put out how many books a year? I mean 50, 60 books a yeah, year. Yeah, they put out 50, 60 books yeah. a year. Um or drawn a quarterly, which is in Canada, so they do get grant money there, so it's a little different for them. But um, you know, our top shelf that eventually gets acquired by um, you know, but again ramps up. They have employees yeah. and you know, Chris at House was Chris. It was a one man show. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh I I mentioned this in my story, but I really do think the fact that we have not had in person shows has really impacted the small press. Absolutely. Because the broad mm. first off, sales at the shows are very high. And, you know, look, it costs a lot to ship in the books and to go to the show. So I'm not sure it always, you know, if you actually talk to people, sometimes kind of just break even. But still, it seems like you made a lot of money. And also just the excitement. I mean, you know, they're, they're so uh, communal and collegial and, and everybody just loves hanging out and getting together at a TCAF or a SPX or, or even a Mocha. Uh, cake, I mean, all these, these small press shows. I, I do think not being part of the community for so long has just really given people, I hate to say it, but maybe some clarity
0: about. About their know. lives.
1: Yeah, I do think it's clarity <laughs> because I think when you're at the show and, you know, you're hanging out and having such a great time and thinking, you know, everybody goes to SPX every year and comes back like, oh my God, that was the best weekend of my life. Yep. I love comics. I love you. I always want to be a part of this. And if you don't do it for a while, you're like you might look at your bank account and be like, "Uh."
2: well, I think (laughs) I'm I'm going to say something a little controversial. But I think that not that they aren't doing great stuff, but that some of the small indie presses like Ad House are not keeping up with some advances in technology which could help them. Not only crowdfunding, but print-on-demand, digital, um, social media. A lot of them are creatures of the convention, and that's fine. But there are tools out there that can help a lot of self-publishers and do help a lot of self-publishers or mini-publishers keep going without draining their entire wallets. And I really hope that... Some of the other wonderful indie publishers and creators out there, um, you know, take advantage of all the tools that are available to them so that it doesn't eat and destroy their lives.
1: Yeah, but I I do think it's a very different mindset. You know, I mean, I I think we're seeing, uh, you know, somebody like Spike Trotman. Uh, obviously is hugely successful and she's built a whole business around crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, di- I did an interview on the beat with the folks at Hiveworks, um uh, mm. Isabel Melanson mm-hmm. and Zillette Stilwell. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they talk, I mean, they're another what kind of a web comics model, but you know, they do do crowd, they do crowdfunding for all their publishing. I mean, you sure. know, we talked about Tom Akel and Rocket Chip and how mm-hmm. his publishing companies run entirely on um crowdfunding and it's just yeah. a little bit of a different and but I do think a lot of publishers of the Pitzer generation I mean you know I don't mean to to age him out or anything but no, uh,
2: it's, it's uh, not about actual age it's about when you I, came into the business yeah yeah it's well, like i i talk we talk about i mean in fandom we often talk about somebody being live journal era or tumblr era really? yeah. or this you know and it's like it doesn't actually a hundred percent line up to someone's chronological age. It it connects to when they got involved in the community yeah. and what norms mm-hmm. they yes. came mm-hmm. in with. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a, it's almost like a business sensibility, a publishing sensibility. And there is a uh, there's a certain uh yeah, it's not age specific, but there's a certain generation of I think comics publishers that came into a business. Uh, around a certain kind of, uh, you know, artisanal view of, of small publishing. And they never were quite confident with the Kickstarter model, with the crowdfunding model. I mean, we know a few of those guys. I mean, Dan Nadel, Nadel was very, you know, Ah, crazy about it. A lot of people weren't. I mean, (laughs) I I don't want to say that. Yeah, you know, you know, but, but Dan was a great publisher. Um, uh, as is, uh, is Chris, but I just, I just, you know, I just want to, Chris, it's business. Kickstarter is a business tool. It's you're not begging on the street. It's not alms. Yeah, you're
2: but not you What know, <laughs> I, like I also feel like it is a
0: business option. It's a tool just as Kate was saying.
1: Yeah, but you know what? I I mean, we could probably we should probably move on because this could be an entire yeah. show. But I will say yeah. this about the the crowdfunding model. Um a lot of times it works best for um the less the less presence that the publisher has and the you know, the more transparency there is towards with the creator, the more successful they are. Because um, it is at, you know, I mean the Keanu Reeves Kickstarter obviously opened a lot of eyes, but you know, it kind of had this veneer that you no know, you were supporting Keanu, which, you know, he's a movie story, doesn't need the crowdfund. But okay, sure. Um, but uh it's a I don't creator know. Of Come on,
0: chris is, Chris's is artist, he would, he would, he would get a hundred grand minimum. I'm sorry.
2: Uh, I don't know about that. I actually I, disagree. I, maybe I, not a hundred grand, but I think he would, he I think would they would could make well it
1: more funded. work. funded. Yeah, David, I absolutely disagree because can you yeah. think like who is a small press publisher who puts out books the way Chris does who makes that much money on Kickstarter?
0: Well, I'm not sure there's a whole lot of small press publishers that have put out the kind of books that Chris. Yes, does. That, that's what uh, I'm saying.
1: It's a different sensibility.
0: Well, you know, we could disagree on that. We could um, disagree, but. Um, but I, think, I, I think he could, I think he would do well on Kickstarter. Yeah, so I just really do. Particularly with person- the tools that Kickstarter offers these startups now with what Oriana Leckard is doing out there to bring people into the comic space and encourage and support their publishing. Uh, and besides the fact that there are other kinds of crowdfunding models around, uh, even the one that, uh, you know, I wrote about the other day with, um, with Jordan Plasky, the, yes, the so new thing that they've set up. I've forgotten the name of it. I'm sorry, no, Jordan. I just
1: talked to, I just talked to, I actually just talked to him too. I'm going to be running my own interview you know, with
0: him. But, uh, now uh, that's yeah. a little different, but it, there's so many options. There's so many ways to shape crowdfunding to the kind of publishing house you want to be. So anyway, but I, I hear what you're saying though, Heidi.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a different sensibility of doing business, and that's yeah. okay. But there yeah, are people right. out there you can bring on board on your team onto a specific project who can help you do it.
1: Yes. And I'll say this, um, that AdHouse has had a great run with great
0: Absolutely. And, you know,
1: Chris will still stick around. And I okay. wouldn't be too surprised if well, he does show up at our next in-person small press show and he finds a way to continue to be part of the community because the community really needs him. So.
0: Yeah. Hey, yeah. we love you, Chris, really. Yeah. Uh, and we love your books. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, frankly, some publisher should snap him up, even if only as a consultant. Mm.
1: Yeah, that He's that got – yeah.
2: He's got connections, he's got a deep and broad knowledge, he's got a sensibility, even if he's not going to come into the office every day, even if you can't make that work, like hire this man in some capacity, don't yeah. waste talent
1: yeah well, I want to say this like there was actually just as an adjunct to this uh there was a big Twitter thread uh over the weekend, I think, but even I saw it uh, during my travels where Joshua dysart uh said uh quite. Bluntly, he tweeted, you know, he's a writer, he's written for Valiant, he's written for DC. I mean, he's written for everybody. Um, I think Boom, you know, everywhere. Mm-hmm. He said, Yeah uh truth for you, almost every single person who got their start in comics from my generation and from most others too, had some kind of supplemental income. And many people who appear successful today are either being subsidized by a spouse, family money, or some other means. And boy, that is one trillion percent correct. And so yeah. it's, Touched off a whole huge, a whole huge thread of people agreeing, you know, about how their families, that yeah, look, if I had a quarter for every comics professional whose spouse, whose partner, yeah. pardon me, whose partner has partner. a regular mm-hmm. day job with health benefits, I sure. would not need to run advertising on the beat, because it's kind of how it works, to be honest.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, many artists just have other jobs of yeah. one kind or another.
2: Yeah, I mean, people ask questions (laughs) about why certain creators who do creator-owned, creator-run stuff come out with one book every two or five years. And it's great, but it's only every two or five years. And the answer is because they're doing something else, too.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. And I I think that's legitimate to not drive yourself into the ground with these 18, 19 hour days people are talking about, but to create your stuff at your own pace that you can do while you're doing something else in order to support your life.
1: Now I did not see, I do think like there's two new generations in here, like the Kickstarter generation. Absolutely. Where you couldn't make some pretty, pretty good money. Uh, but also um, people with agents who are getting book deals with the uh, with the traditional publishers, and you know right now, I mean it just over the last little while there 's absolutely been auction after auction. People mm-hmm. are getting six figure advances for their kids mm-hmm. comics because there 's so much money to be made there, so you know look when these books don 't earn out that 's going to go flat but I mean for right now, you could actually. You know, you, I didn't see too many of the kid lit crowd chiming in on this yeah for sure.
0: <laughs> well, well, that's yeah, pretty it's, interesting it's, because I, I would have, uh, you know, I would have thought, um, you know, he was talking about, you know, individual self-published works or uh maybe, you know, some sort of indie. Th- th- but the but the landscape of opportunities and options are really really expanded in recent years. And the explosion in basically sales of graphic novels means that there's a potential here for a, a, a new generation of, of artists uh, and publishers to actually have maybe a different kind of relationship to making a living in comics than we have uh, experienced in the past.
1: Well, it's definitely changing. You know, I, I was just writing a little thing for my newsletter. Um, You know, back in the day, if you were a syndicated cartoonist, you were really, really rich. You know, yes. consistently Jim Davis and Charles Schultz would be on the yep. list yep. of, of 100 richest Americans, not, yep. or, you know, richest celebrities, pardon me, richest, like, called them celebrities. Uh, you know, Mort Walker bought a castle. Um, You know, I mean, it was only $60,000, but it was a castle. It was a famous landmark. So anyway, you know, there's been times when you could make bank doing comics and there's still, oh, there's a brass ring. Everybody's going for it. But boy, most people have a ring that is not made of brass. It's made of something else. I don't know. Toilet (laughs) paper. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay, Continue (laughs) with yeah, we, we need to, to get going up. because we have so much other news. We're never going to get to the briefs, I'm telling you. Okay, so another story, just talking about money, is that Brian Hibbs of Comics Experience, a famous store in San Francisco, uh, he opened a second store about five, six years ago uh, when he saw one of the local shops was going under, and he stepped in to keep it going. And then he announced this week that he was shutting down his second store, Comics Outpost. Uh, so he announced this on a Facebook, and then he penned one of his infamous tilting at windmills columns for the beat which i ran where he explained a lot more of his reasons behind it and so basically short version and you know this could also spark an entire podcast of conversation but um it was uh his you know comics experience has really shifted over to be a graphic novel store sells lots of graphic novels but outpost was a periodical store and brian just does not feel you know and he also says he's getting old you know, Chris Spitzer said that, too. They say, in the pandemic, people are really looking at their <laughs> lives and planning what they want to do with it. Word. Um Word. Yeah. What yeah. he also said, he said, even without age, you know, two – employees left which you couldn't be easily replaced which is why mm. he did it he says even with those barriers i probably still would have dug it and fought hard for except for one thing i've lost a great deal of faith in the business of periodical comics and more specifically of many of the people in charge of shepherding it costs mm. of operation are greatly increasing profit margins are getting tighter and the industry as a whole seems hell-bent on catering to speculators and fear of missing out marketing mm. so You know, and he goes on and on about the periodical and how it's just, it's just not really profitable. But then, you know, he really loves the periodical. Also, he doesn't like dealing with, um, lunar,
0: uh, (laughs) competitor. (laughs) You know, he says
1: that when Penguin Random House gets in, it's going to be so much more expensive. So just all the changes just made it more, made more sense to concentrate on his most successful stories. But he says he's found, he said he couldn't find a buyer, but in the a few days since this news went wide, he is in talks with a very promising uh, buyer for the store. So it looks like it might not shut down.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I mean, obviously, uh, I mean, Brian is always someone you want to pay attention to uh, as, for, as a, you know, sort of a bellwether for the, for the you know, for retailing. Um, uh, I've actually been to the Comics Experience store, but I haven't mm-hmm. been to the other store. So, um, you know, hate to see any comics retailer go away, frankly, I hate to see any yeah. retailer any book <laughs> publication retailer go away,
1: yeah, but I mean it just i mean, I think his reasons were quite sound, mm-hmm. um but you know we're seeing we're seeing uh, I mean uh, you know, I actually talked to Brian, we talked on the phone uh about this before I ran the column to work on the timing of running it, and you know we were talking about whether he's even going to continue doing his column, and I said, Brian. We're just going into the penguin random house era of distribution. You've got to keep doing the column. <laughs> so I've got to come. find a way to get a sponsor for this column. So if anybody's out there listening, would like to sponsor Brian's column, just uh, email me. Okay. Uh, it's my email is very easy to find. Uh, but yes, uh, Brian, we're, I'm going to chain him to his computer to keep writing about this because war two to um (laughs) um, you know speaking of lunar i just want to real quick so i know we have a lot to say talk about still but uh ahoy comics a small boutique publisher has gone with lunar Mm -hmm. to get distribution i mean they're also with diamond so it's not like they gave up diamond uh they go with scout comics who also has a lunar distribution and i'm hearing that a lot of small publishers are looking at opening Mm -hmm. Like going with Lunar because guess what? It doesn't cannibalize, uh, their sales. It actually just increases their sales by having another outlet. So
2: yeah, it makes perfect sense because a lot of comic shops, quite frankly, are not going to have a million distributors. They're just not. Mm-hmm. It's not human nature. Yeah. So you might as well be, have as many distributors as you can.
0: Well, I mean, yeah. in, in, in the indie book world, of course, that's how you, you know, you play your cards is like, what, you know, where, what distributor gives you the best service and for certain kinds of things. But in the, in the, uh, in the direct market, I mean, they're really used to operating through, you know, the minimum number one, I guess. Um,
2: yeah, well, but maybe it's time. Yeah.
0: I mean, and I do think we're also seeing a generation of the newer, I mean, or, or, or uh, retailers like, uh, hips who do use. Uh, you know, the book trade distribution, uh, cha- uh, channels when it's to their benefit to do so. In addition yeah. to Diamond and I guess now Lunar and, you know, PRH.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, we're gonna, there's, you know, it's October is looming when, um, PRH is gonna start distributing Marvel and, uh, right around New York Comic Con. So, I wonder what people will be talking about. More to do not miss the Barcon. Um a couple of other uh items here. Uh so I wrote about like IDW basically did an IPO for 8 million dollars, but uh, like I wrote about it and I don't really understand the stock market. You know neither. Nobody else seemed to pick up on the story, so I don't know if it was anything to do with anything, but like it just uh, I
0: saw your story. I admit I was found it a little baffling. Uh, I want to talk to my editor, Jim Milley, the editorial <laughs> director of PW. I want to sit down with him, and I'm curious to see what he has to say about this. Uh, well, I, as, I did as well.
1: Well, so I'll just say this about it: um, that normally, uh, you know, this kind of news will get picked up. I mean, ICB2 uh. will cover it, other places will cover it, and I, I'm the only person who covered it. So I'm like, do I know anything? But boy, did people reach out to me in private like, uh-huh. they're like Ooh, what do you think of this like you know or i ask people so what do you think of this and like it's ranged from well they just need you know they need to raise money
0: mm,
1: yeah. <laughs> and they've hired a lot of people there and had a lot of editorial reshuffling so mm-hmm. there is definitely something going on at IDW. so yeah um
0: yeah. okay well you know maybe i could just jump in uh and mention a another business deal mm-hmm. um you know i you, I mean, in the, in our library article, uh, graphic novels and library article that you wrote, Heidi, uh, you talk actually quite a bit with about library pra- library pass, yeah. and you know um, their their platform for getting comics, digital comics into libraries. And um, uh, on Q, they step up and do a deal with Kodanshi USA for about a thousand volumes, uh, over a thousand, uh, what is it, a thousand series, or is this? you know that that's a good question. I'm not quite Probably a thousand sure. volumes. a thousand titles Tiles. they say uh I mean Kodansha obviously has a vast library of uh of manga series, but they're gonna be available uh I think they're gonna start with about two hundred and move up to over a thousand titles. so this may be I guess the, 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 over the course of the various manga uh manga series they're gonna make their titles available to the people in uh you know in a variety of digital formats. Uh I think it's basically a streaming format through a you know a subscription like service I think uh, is that how library passes comics plus works. Mhm.
1: Mhm. Yeah. So, well that is so Calvin do you know anything about this Knight Foundation library digital platform? You know
0: I only know uh and I don't know a lot about it. Um uh but we we've, we've seen the Knight Foundation has been in the news quite a bit these days. I mean they were involved with the uh uh, the Hannah Jones, um. Oh yeah. Uh, huh. a, a t- tenure, non-tenure position at University of North Carolina before she decided to move, uh, to go to Howard University. Uh, and then the, the Knight Foundation had, uh, uh, actually provided a bit, great bit of funding for what the, um, the new, uh, educational unit that she's setting up with Ta-Nehisi Coast. Uh, but so this is, you know, what, I, 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 mean, I don't know a lot about it. Uh, uh, our library, uh, writer, Andrew Albanese has a piece on Publishers Weekly. Uh, uh, Knight Foundation invests $5 million in the library center, center digital platform. I mean, it, it does seem as though, I mean, the Knight Foundation, which obviously, uh, funds a, a wide variety of projects, uh, of projects in journalism. Uh, and libraries have, uh, during this year and a half of the pandemic, have of course, navigated onto digital platforms for all kinds of materials and certainly for comics, as your story pointed out and this just seems to be uh one of these things from the pandemic that's not going to disappear uh uh digital access is going to continue to be enormously uh popular for all kinds of con content and certainly for comics yeah so
1: well speaking of yeah i I, I mean I saw the story i don't really know what it means either, but uh, where there's smoke, there's money, I guess. Um and also more coming from Tapas, uh, you know, we've announced they hired Jamie yeah. as branches mm-hmm. as chief, and then this, this week they got Chris Robinson, who had been at Marvel and Z2, uh, to, uh, what is he gonna be? He's got one of these weird n- n- yeah. new titles that I should pretend that it, I know. It
0: seems as though he's, uh, both recruiting new talent, uh, to Tapas, uh and sort of advocating in-house for them i mean maybe i think, I,
1: I think it's an editor but it's called mm-hmm. exclusives yeah. partnership manager so, so yeah. okay all right well you do you yeah. um but uh it says so will focus on bringing talented creators web comics or being an advocate yeah so okay fine uh anyway uh what is happening at tapas and webtoon with all their acquisitions and hires and uh boy gotta keep an eye on that okay um So, okay, and then there's the Kindle Vella. Kate, take it away. Well,
2: so as you may have noticed just by listening to our podcast over the length of the pandemic, which I think has accelerated this trend, um, Webtoon, that is to say mobile native web comics, often paid web comics, are taking off. They were popular in um, Korea specifically, but also in China and Japan. And so they're they're really starting to hit the big time in the United States when it comes to sales. And their business model is that you buy a certain amount of "quote unquote" coins or ink or whatever they call it on their app, which do not line up specifically with any actual real currency. So that whenever you spend them, it's hard to tell how much money you're spending. And so every time you want a new paid installment of the story, you need to pay, I don't know, 250 shells or 50 coins or 10 ink or whatever, making it easy for people to lose track of how much money they're spending, but also making it easy for people to only spend for installments when they actually want that story and continue to like it. So, now, Amazon, whose model with Kindle Book had previously been just, you know, you buy the Kindle book, you read it, or alternately you have Kindle Unlimited and you just read whatever you want, has decided to dip their toe into the monetized, serialized story genre. Amazon. Amazon. <laughs> so, they have Now this thing called Kindle, Val, which also, to be fair, web comics do this model, but um, web novels, which are very popular in China and Korea, also can follow this model. They don't all, but some of them do. So it's very much like the serialized, monetized coins model, only now Amazon is doing it with serialized stories this is, yeah, an this, is experiment. this is kind of
0: throughout Asia, right? Isn't it? I mean, we I think we talk about radish, which is another yeah. storytelling radish app that has and,
1: a, and, uh, Wattpad. radish
0: and yeah. Wattpad. Radish, yeah. Wattpad is very yeah.
2: And Watt- Wattpad is American, and and Wattpad is not in is mostly unmonetized. Yeah, but
1: yeah, Wattpad is exactly. just acquired by Webtoon.
2: Okay? Yes, so, so true. Yeah. But what I'm I'm yeah. saying is that mm. this was this was not historically Wattpad's model. Right. No, it I wasn't.
0: Mean, no. Some aspects of it, but, but you're right. You're absolutely right. They don't really, they don't monetize it. They didn't, uh, they don't monetize uh, it in that specific way. In that way, sure. They have
2: a different model, but anyway, um, where you would pay to have an ad free experience where you would pay for specific books that were premium books, but most of it was not, you know, installment payments. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So yeah, uh, Kindle is now experimenting with um you know, the old Charles Dickens model and uh we'll we'll see how that works <laughs> on the American market.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I think that you know, just as you said, I mean, it, it certainly feels looks uh, you know, it looks very very similar in terms of its base business model to Webtoons and Tapas and how they uh how they generate content and how they distribute it. So it's yeah, well interesting. Uh, but, but Amazon's always there. I mean, almost yeah. every- <laughs> If there's a way, if somebody's making money on a, with a business model. Yeah. yeah,
1: so, I mean, all of these run on user-generated content, so. But, but um, this is a little, this is
2: a little different than user-generated content that you profit on that you don't pay for. Right. If you put your book on Kindle as self-published, or Kindle Vell as self-published, you will get paid like any other publisher or author. This is not like, frankly, what Wattpad um, Mm -hmm. does well with, which is people just write stuff. They get no money, Mm -hmm. and Wattpad gets all the money.
0: Right, Uh, right. Very, very... Yeah, it, well, in terms of yeah, ab- you know, they uh, use advertising and the like, and I will say this that, that uh, you know, Amazon is also recruiting really, really you know, l- l- professional writers of of varying kinds also. To be honest, now I assume, and I'm not I'm not clear. I assume that there'll be a self publishing aspect to this. There, uh, I'm sure that's the case. Uh, but even if you look at um, you know, what Webtoon and Tavis Media. Which also obviously are huge self-publishing platforms. Uh, you know, either they bring in, uh, pros. I mean, uh, you know, Dean Hasbill was is on, you know, Webtoon mm-hmm. and he was invited to be on Webtoon. Well, they have. Uh, then they call understand? from there and they call from the mass of self-publishers, uh, the people that they want to support and help turn them into really professional, you know, cartoonists. So all of these platforms work on multiple to levels to both to deliver you know so called you know professional writers as well as to cultivate a generation of uh you know emerging artists amateurs and turn them into professionals
2: well but i think part of what makes this model a little different again from the um wattpad model is that you get paid yes if you choose you're selling it on Amazon. monetize monetize options for your story It'll you will paid
0: get paid. Too. They're getting paid on Webtoon and Tapas too.
2: Saying no. <laughs> that Webtoon and Tapas pay you. Oh, okay,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
1: Uh but Wait a bet. bit. Well, hold on. I mean, you don't necessarily get paid on Webtoon and Tapas. No, like popular only, ones do,
2: but right. you, you give only it. get paid if people buy it. Yeah,
1: yes, yeah,
2: yeah. That's. But a, if yeah. people buy it, you get paid.
1: Yeah, obviously. Right. But you could read it for free on Wattpad and Tapas.
0: Absolutely. You you can read the early chapters, right?
2: No. Okay, so you have on Tapas and Webtoon, you have the option of selecting whether you want it monetized and how you want it monetized. Mm -hmm. If you are on Wattpad, they will only monetize you if they think you're good enough. So only if they wave the magic wand that they like you will they give you money. Whereas on Webtoon and Tapas, you can choose whether to monetize it. And if you do, you get paid if someone decides to buy it. Yeah. If they don't decide to buy it, you're out of luck. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, okay. So uh, there's a lot more to an come eye on, on that this, too. There's so much
2: more to come But on. I mean, yeah. you
1: know, let's just tie, I just want to tie this back to some of the things we've already been talking about. Absolutely. On here. Um, you know, I mean, Chris Pritz, Pitzer's uh, I'm a, designer and I have great taste and I'm going to put out some beautiful little books uh, is, you know, very, very 20th century compared to Kindovella. I'm going to yeah. get people to That's pay it. coins to read my first chapter That's before it. everybody else. And anyway, there's so many do business models in this yep. world. And, and, and yeah. in a
2: way, I think yeah. the the mobile comics, you know, pay for your installments method is really possibly the heir to the floppy. I
0: think you're
2: 100%. Where a lot a really of these books, point. like for example, Lore Olympus, will yeah. come out in either ebook form, e-comic form, something like a complete volume you can purchase.
0: Oh yeah, it's coming out once, in
2: the fall. Once yeah. they run through the full thing. Yeah. I yeah. know,
0: the book's coming out in the fall. I just read
2: it. <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: Yeah, so you're absolutely right.
2: I'm using that as an example, right? Mm -hmm. So in that way, it is like the floppy. You can't put it on your shelf, but you don't have to wait for more.
1: Yeah,
0: Yeah. I mean, in some way, I think, you know, all comics are, are, okay, yeah, all comics will be available in all formats in one time, but yeah, yeah, go on.
1: Yeah, well, we could do, this is another thing we could do an entire episode about, I think, and should, actually. So um do we wanna talk about uh looks like we're coming up on an hour here. So yeah. uh do we wanna yeah. talk about the blockchain?
2: I think we should. So
1: Kate, you have another uh if that wasn't enough, you have another business model that you wanted to talk about this week.
2: Right. And it may not be so much a full business model as a a cultural lifeboat, to be frank. Um So if you've been following international news, you may be aware that um, Hong Kong has come under increasing press restrictions, increasing bookstore restrictions from mainland China. Um, The one country, two systems model seems to be going to one country, one system, um, which is unfortunate for publishers and creators who have created books that may be will be forcibly taken out of print now that, you know, this this is changing. And so one thing that is being used by um, Hong Kong manga publishers, or at least one of them, and, and maybe future ones, is using the NFT blockchain model to get some minor monetization, but basically getting it out there in an unstoppable online decentralized format. So, for example, so one Taiwan-based auction house is now selling non-fungible tokens of Banwa created in Hong Kong over the years. So Lutex, spelled (laughs) L-O-O-T-E-X, is holding... um a sale of NFTs of Buddha's Palm, a famous Hong Kong manhwa series from the 1980s. Um, They quickly sold out of a total of 20 copies, each sold for 0.05 Binance coin, about $15.60. Which is... Yes, it is a wuja, uh, martial arts fantasy story, but it is also very positive, as hence the title, toward Buddhism, which is religious, and not the most popular with the um, mainland Chinese government. Um, the Hong Kong government has taken a lot of books off the market in the past, and so you know, this is the first possibly of of many to try to get books and cultural artifacts out there in a way that is decentralized um, and at least mildly uh monetized. So we'll see. Um, Currently, after Apple Daily, Hong Kong's biggest pro-democracy newspaper was shut down last month, Someone started the Apple Daily project to decentralize Apple Daily um, by scraping contents from its old issues to put it on a decentralized data storage platform. And so there's a lot of things like that. Um, Lutex is, sell- going, is also selling NFTs related to other Manwa series, including Chinese Hero, Teddy Boy, and others. So we'll see how that goes. But it's it's interesting to see... The NFT model, which here I will editorialize, is frequently, in my opinion, a waste of power in search of vanity. Um, used for cultural preservation, so it's, it's interesting and were well, sure to come I, on this.
1: I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's just, I, I'm not sure. You know, it's kind of like, oh, we opened a, a casino to fund, to fund the family. You know, I mean, it's like you could use these more nefarious means for, for good purposes, you know? And I mean, the fact that NFTs are not necessarily, they're a little more off the grid or, you know, they have this,
2: whatever the hell they are. Well, uh, by the nature of an NFT, it is decentralized. Correct. Once you send an NFT out into the wild, there's nowhere to take down. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. no one website to take out. It's out there now. Right, And they, right. they weren't, it certainly wasn't exploitative prices. Like, clearly, the motivation is to try to safeguard the stuff so that it's not lost to history and readers. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It, <clears throat> you probably can, if you're the Chinese government, stop people in China from reading it, but it won't keep it from the rest of the Internet.
0: Yeah, so I, I do think this is going to be an interesting experiment in, in using comics. Yeah. So, I just want,
1: I just want to bring this up one last little thing, just to tie this all together, I think, is, uh, that the Emmy nominations were announced this week, and WandaVision cleaned up with 20, like 26, or, well, no, Marvel TV shows had like, 26 nominations. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, you know, WandaVision is very well deserved for Elizabeth Olson and Paul Bettany and, and Catherine Hahn. If they hadn't been nominated, there would have been rioting. Um, you know, we haven't even talked about Loki, you guys, but, uh, we should. Uh, <laughs> also, sure. or Black yeah. Widow. I mean, there's so much to talk about, but I yeah, just want to say, true, and, yeah, the, yeah, and the boys, up. Was nominated mm-hmm. in the best drama series, which is mm-hmm. like incredible. The boys based on the comic by Garth sure. Ennis and mm-hmm. Derek Robertson. So, um, you know, just talking about there not being any money in making comics, uh, <laughs> there <laughs> seems to be money in making shows based on the comics. So somehow between the Kickstarter and the, the Kindle Vella and the blockchain and the <laughs> Emmys and the, the this and the that, somehow we got to just get this money Distributed a little more equitably, I guess.
0: <laughs> well, you, well know, it, it, you know, yeah, I, I mean, it, 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 something to talk about in in another uh, episode. But clearly, there are a lot more ways to make money in comics than there used to be.
1: Yes, definitely. Uh, all right, I think we're definitely out of time on that. Uh, <laughs> we are. Thank you for listening. Uh, don't forget to give us a rating or you know leave us a comment or something. Uh, we'll be back every week because there will be. More to come.